Charlene, wait, your teammates, they ever bust your chops about wanting the ball and shooting it so much? Uh, I would say no because I had 604 assists, so I gave the ball a lot. You know, Joe was thinking you shot as much as he did when he was <laughs> exactly. in high It's the Magical Coach Podcast. The first thing I would like is for those of you that are in the audience who are veterans, of any branch of the military, if you'd please stand. Well, I should have told you to remain standing because now I'm going to ask everyone to stand as Maggie Townsend sings the national anthem. Oh, say can you see early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the Good, thank you. If everyone would please remain in your seats, I'm going to ask the Honorable Judge Georgie e. James to give us the invocation. Let us pray. Almighty God, the one who spoke all of creation into existence, we are assembled here this evening, Lord, to endeavor to fulfill one of your decrees. And that is to give honor to whom honor is due. And God, we recognize you are present in this house tonight because you said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And God, I represent to you this evening that the number of brothers and sisters in the Christian faith that I have seen tonight, we far exceed that quota. And God, we pray that as we endeavor to give honor to whom honor is due, we keep in mind the ultimate honor is yours. 
because according to your holy word, it's through you that we live, move, and have our being. And Lord, we pray that you will get the glory out of these proceedings tonight. And God, we pray your blessing upon the food, some of which we've already devoured, some of which is about to be served to us. Lord, please cause that food to strengthen our bodies so that we may render it back in service to you. In the matchless, flawless, unfailing, uncompromising name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we pray. Amen. I'll bet some of you don't have to go to church tomorrow after that prayer. <laughs> uh, you know, I apologize. I was actually supposed to have Jack Clouds, United States Army veteran, 82nd Airborne Division paratrooper come forward and hold the flag. Uh, but Jack's a little hobbled, so we sort of got started without him. Where are you at, Jack? All right. Thank you, Jack. All right. In 2016... The Fighting Tigers became the first Beaver Falls football team to win a state title, and we are honoring them here tonight. And we have a little video presentation uh, that we would like to show you right now. With nine starters returning on both offense and defense, the team was expected to be a section title contender and one that could make a deep run in the playoffs. In the season opener, the Fighting Tigers faced the number one ranked team in the Whippeal, the Aliquip Equips. It was a tough night for Beaver Falls, falling 44-13. The Fighting Tigers bounced back with victories over Apollo Ridge, Elwood City, Southmoreland, and New Brighton to improve their record to 4-1. During this four-game winning streak, the Fighting Tigers' offense was clicking and the defense was dominant. In Week 6, Beaver Falls hosted the Quaker Valley Quakers. On this homecoming evening, the defense would score three times, and the Tigers coasted to a 33-0 shutout win to improve their record to 5-1. The Fighting Tigers traveled to Central Valley for an all-important section game. Unranked Beaver Falls was playing the number one ranked team in the PIAA in a contest that had multiple lead changes. The Fighting Tigers prevailed with a 27-21 win catapulting them into a first-place tie with Aliquippa, Beaver, and Central Valley. On senior night, the team defeated the Hopewell Vikings and remained in a first-place tie with a record of 7-1. Beaver Falls entered Week 9 in what would be an all-or-nothing contest against the top-ranked team in the state, the Beaver Bobcats. In a hard-fought game, the Fighting Tigers claimed victory and completed the regular season with a record of 8-1 and a share of the section championship. As the Whippeal playoffs started, the Fighting Tigers hosted Mount Pleasant. Beaver Falls easily dispatched the Vikings 42-14. With the victory, the Tigers advanced to the WPIAL semifinals. In the semifinal round, the Fighting Tigers faced Keystone Oaks. For the third time, Beaver Falls entered a contest against the top-ranked team in the state. During this game, Beaver Falls trailed most of the night, but two late fourth-quarter scores gave the Tigers the win. 28-21. Beaver Falls advanced to the Whippeal Championship game, and the opponent was a rematch with section rival the Aliquippa Fighting Quips. The Quips entered the game as the top-ranked team in the state, but during this encounter, the Fighting Tigers controlled both sides of the ball and claimed a 35-22 win. With the victory, the Fighting Tigers not only avenged their only loss of the season, but were the 2016 WPIAL champions. 
Beaver Falls advanced to the PIAA semifinals, and the opponent would be Martinsburg Central. On a cold evening in Altoona, the Fighting Tigers prevailed with a 14-7 win. With the victory, Coach Ryan Matzuk earned his 100th win as head coach. And then, a week later, the team traveled to Hershey Park to face Middletown for the PIAA Championship. For the fifth time this season, Beaver Falls would play the top-ranked team in the state, and for the fifth time, Beaver Falls would claim victory over the top-ranked team, this time by a score of 30-13, and the Tigers reign as PIAA champions. The 2016 edition of the Fighting Tigers made history by winning section, Whippeal, and PIAA championships and setting a single-season record with 13 wins. Obviously, those top rankings on paper didn't mean much. The real champion proved to be true on the field. Uh, we have with us tonight several members of the coaching staff and a few of the players. Uh, they are seated in the audience, and I'm going to ask them to stand when I call their name out, but I will ask you, please hold your applause until I introduce all of them. First of all, we have head coach Ryan Matsuk, assistant coach Dan Matsuk, assistant coach Bruce Davidson, assistant coach Anthony Omagrasso, Assistant Coach Rodney Slappy, Assistant Coach Mark Taylor, Assistant Coach and Current Tiger Head Coach Nick Nardone, Trainer Dan Summers, and then Players Devin Little, Jimmy Carbone, Mason Carruthers, and Seth Gossick. 2016 PIAA Champions. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to call you up here a little bit later on in the program. All right, now for your viewing pleasure, we have a few more videos. Robert Edward Blank was born on April 12, 1941, in Koppel. From 1956 to 1959, Bob attended Elwood City High School. There he played football for legendary coach Chuck Knox, who later became the head football coach for the Los Angeles Rams and Seattle Seahawks. After high school, he matriculated to Geneva College and graduated in 1963. Bob was an outstanding baseball player in college and was Geneva's team captain in his junior and senior years. In 1964, Bob began a 13-month deployment in Vietnam with the 1st Signal Brigade and the 69th Signal Battalion. When he was discharged in 1967, Bob began his teaching career at Big Beaver Elementary School. In 1969, he became an assistant football coach at Beaver Falls under another legendary coach, Larry Bruno. In 1977, Bob married the love of his life, Ann Bedekovich. After serving as an assistant football coach for 13 years, Bob was appointed head football coach at Beaver Falls. Under his tutelage, the Tigers won the Whippeal Class AA Championship in 1984, defeating Riverside High School and his best friend, Carl Flory, 14-13. Coach Blythe finished his career as a defensive coordinator under Ron Shiro at Riverside High School from 1989 to 1993 and was an offensive coordinator under Kurt Agostinelli at Elwood City High School from 1998 until 2000. Bob was certainly loved by all who crossed his path, sadly, at a young age of just 60 years old.
Coach Blythe died suddenly from a heart attack in 2002. And tonight, Coach Blythe is being represented by his brother, Trippy Blythe. And we will hear from him and the other inductees a little bit later on in the program. And just as a side note, so my very, very close friend, Coach Flory, doesn't get agita, Riverside won the championship the next year. So. I had to throw that in there, Coach. Okay, next video, please. Of all of the great athletes who have played sports from Beaver County throughout this century, precious few have had the opportunity to play on a national collegiate champion. But Glenn Dennison of Beaver Falls is one of the fortunate. Glenn was the starting tight end for the Miami Hurricanes, who upset number one Nebraska 31 to 30 on January 1st, 1984, giving the Canes their first national championship. Before his college days, Glenn excelled under coach Larry Bruno at Beaver Falls High School and helped the Tigers to the playoffs. He then earned a full scholarship to the University of Miami. Glenn started as a sophomore and caught 29 passes to rank third on the team with eight catches against Virginia Tech. Despite missing two and a half games to an injury the next year, he still caught 25 passes for 231 yards and two touchdowns. Glenn capped his collegiate career with an excellent senior year. The top receiver for Bernie Kozar, he caught 54 passes for 594 yards and three touchdowns and culminated the season by catching two touchdown passes in the Orange Bowl victory over Nebraska. Glenn was named second team All-American by the Associated Press, an honorable mention All-American by UPI, and was also voted the Hurricanes most valuable player and was selected to play in the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl. He was drafted by the New York Jets in the second round of the 1984 NFL Draft and played there for three years under fellow Beaver Falls native and LBF inductee, Joe Walton. Glenn then split the 1987 season between the New England Patriots and Washington Redskins before returning to the Jets in 1988 to finish his NFL career. Glenn also played with Amsterdam for the International League in 1989 and 1990. Glenn is married to his lovely wife, Kimberly, and the proud father of two sons, Heath and Chase. Ladies and gentlemen, former Beaver Falls Fighting Tiger, Glenn Dennison. Okay, next video, please. David Miller graduated from Beaver Falls with highest honors in 1965. Dave played and was coached by Larry Bruno at Beaver Falls, where he was captain and most valuable player. David was active as a student athlete and leader in school, student government, and the Lutheran Church. In 1967 through 1970, he was awarded a grant and aid athletic scholarship to the Princeton University football program. He obtained his bachelor's degree from Princeton University in 1969 and earned a master's degree in the teacher education program at Stanford University in 1970. From 1970 through 76, David served in the U.S. Army Reserve, California National Guard, Company A, 1-149 Armored Battalion. Following Stanford, he spent the next five decades in teaching and counseling young adults in the California secondary education system. He served 23 years as a football coach at Seaside High School 
and then seven years as coach at Stevenson School. Dave spent a lifetime teaching and coaching in California, directing comprehensive programs as both a teacher and a coach. He was elected Monterey Bay League Coach of the Year three times. His final winning percentage was 700. Several of his players went on to play in college and professionally, three with Super Bowl rings. One is currently head coach of the NFL Carolina Panthers. Dave is married with two children and five grandchildren. His wife, Pam, was the recipient of the Presidential Award for Mass Science Education, representing the state of California. Please welcome former Beaver Falls Fighting Tiger, Dave Miller. Okay, next video. Charlene Taylor began playing basketball in grade school after being encouraged by her third grade teacher to enter a foul shooting contest. Taking her teacher's advice, Charlene entered the contest and won first place. This early experience was the start of her love of basketball. Charlene played point guard at Beaver Falls High School where she averaged 15 points per game. In her senior year, Taylor helped her team to a 25-1 record and both the conference and state championship titles. Charlene was named the conference MVP. A member of the Terrific 20 received the high school's Carolyn Clark's Girls Sports Award and earned a scholarship to the University of New Haven. Taylor had an astounding athletic career from 1985 to 1989. During that time, New Haven won four NECC titles, two Division II New England Regional Championships and a National Championship en route to a 102-22 record. During her career, Charlene scored 1,853 points with an average of 17 points per game and tallied 603 assists, 419 steals, and 458 rebounds. She was named the UNH Female Athlete of the Year twice, Kodak All-District twice, and in 1987, she was named to the Division II All-Tournament Team. Charlene was a three-time All-NECC First Team selection and a 1989 NCAA New England All-Region Squad selection. In 1989, she was a Kodak All-American, ECAC Player of the Year, and NECC Player of the Year. In 1996, Taylor was inducted into the University of New Haven Sports Hall of Fame. In 2003, Charlene was inducted into the Connecticut Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, and in 2016, she was honored by the University of New Haven as one of 30 female athletes to impact New Haven athletics. Upon graduating, Charlene worked as an assistant coach for the University of New Haven from 1990 until 1992. She also worked as an assistant basketball coach for Post College in 1993 and the University of Quinnipiac from 1994 to 96. Charlene retired in 2017 as a Connecticut State Trooper after 23 years of service. During her career as a State Trooper, she received several accommodations, three unit citations, and two meritorial service awards. In 2014, she was the Connecticut Female Trooper of the Year. Please welcome former Fighting Tiger, Charlene Taylor. Okay, next video, please. Ken Yonke graduated from Beaver Falls High School in 1949 
where he earned letters in varsity baseball under the tutelage of 2014 Circle of Achievement inductee Bill Ross. After graduation from Beaver Falls, he attended Geneva College, where he majored in education and played two years of baseball. His college education was interrupted during the Korean War. After the war, he played baseball at Camp Leroy Johnson before returning to Geneva College, where he graduated in 1956 with a Bachelor of Science degree in education. Following Geneva, he joined the faculty at Highland Junior High School and taught general science. Ken then enrolled at graduate school at the University of Pittsburgh. From 1968 to 1981, Ken was superintendent at the Riverside School District. He started the varsity football program, completed the football stadium, renovated the industrial arts facility, and built the 5th through 8th grade middle school to house 750 students. As superintendent, he hired Carl Flory, Ron Shiro, Al Guandola, Frank Henn, and Bill Soup. In basketball, he put John Miller, John Fisher, and Bob Rack all to work. And in baseball, he hired Dan Oliastro and John Marnicchio. From 1981 to 1986, Ken was superintendent of schools at Blackhawk High School. From 1987 to 97, Ken was the superintendent of schools in Yellow Springs, Ohio. When questioned as to what was his most memorable achievement, Ken did not hesitate to cite the creation of the Highland Baseball Association, which included youngsters from Knothole, Little League, Pony, Colts, and American Legion. To accommodate the number of teams and schedules, six baseball fields were created via donations from sponsors. In all, there were 26 uniform teams, including more than 250 players. Ken and his wife, with the assistance of a number of dedicated volunteers, raised private funding to build a public swimming pool adjacent to Park Field in Chippewa, which became the summer gathering place for so many Blackhawk families. Former Fighting Tiger, Ken Yonke. Okay, at this time, I'm going to ask Ron Main, the chairman of the Larry Bruno Foundation, uh, to please come up and greet everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. I have a story to tell you tonight. So let me begin with, once upon a time, the magical coach came to Beaver Falls. He was a magician, a coach, a teacher, and a mentor to all of us. He brought to our community a winning spirit and a culture that continues to this day. The magic they taught us was teamwork, integrity, communications, leadership, management, reverence, and discipline. His name was Larry Bruno. The magical coach also taught us to dream and to envision the future. As Joe Namath mentioned in his book, and it's a plug for Joe, all the way, my life in fourth quarters. He said, Bruno said, Coach Bruno said, and he taught us to dream. And if you dream, you had to work hard to make the dreams come true. And I think a lot of us can attest to that, correct? From these words, the Larry Bruno Foundation has created a purpose and a vision. And I'd like to share the vision, which is to cultivate a culture in our community that seeks to develop scholastic and academic achievements through professional coaching, team building, and family development. We believe that the culture that we came from has given us the attitudes 
and tools to achieve our goals and aspirations. It is our responsibility to pass on and to guide its evolution towards building a greater community. Our mission at the Larry Bruno Foundation is to build a hall of achievement as a cultural center that builds and revitalizes a diverse and safe community. We would like to announce tonight we are creating a building fund that plans to purchase a building on 7th Avenue in Beaver Falls where we will house the Larry Bruno Foundation Hall of Achievement. We would like to thank Joe Namus Foundation, Ed DeRose family, for their contribution to help move forward with our initiative. We are asking for your help in fulfilling our mission. We have placed donation cards on your table for those of you who would like to pledge your support, and we would welcome that. We thank everyone that is here tonight for taking time to be part of this celebration and reverence to honoring of our in inductees and to listen and learn what motivated them to achieve these lifelong goals that you just watched. Phenomenal. Our board of members, I'd like to introduce to everyone tonight, and you would please stand as I call your names and remain standing until we are, I am done. So our board members, starting with Linwood Alford. Jimmy Carbone. Artie DeSisto. Steve Higgins. Ed DeRose. Bobby Rickey. Pete Petrangeli. Joe Namath. And one of our advisory board members, Jimmy Campbell. And one more, a previous board member that put a lot of time, Ed Ginanini. Where you at, Ed? It's over that way. Could you all give them a great hand for their hard work? Thank you, guys. I really appreciate them. I'm telling you, I chair, but I watch and I get pushed around a lot, but we get things done. I'm an old coach. <laughs> we would like also to recognize this year's inductees, former inductees, friends, family, and partners, and to all of those that have made generous contributions in supporting Larry Bruno Foundation year after year, and that's many of you that's been here year after year. We believe that the magical coach has taught us the determination to keep our community culture relevant and the idea that we strive to achieve it every day. Once again, thank you all for attending tonight and being part of our committed team. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. At least you could have warned me if I was getting fired from the board, but that's okay. Oh, I've been fired before. That's all right. 
No, you don't get any do-overs. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, the ladies wanted me to announce that we have a silent auction going on, and I think you have to go out into the hall. Is that correct? By the bar. That should be a popular place. Just go over there and, and bid on the items that are uh, on the table. Okay, God bless you. Enjoy dinner. All right, uh, if you would please, the first thing I would like to do is recognize some young ladies who are part of the banquet committee, uh, who do all the work behind the scenes. They're our un unsung heroes, so to speak. And that would be Linda Main, Jessica Main, Corinne McMillan, and Kelly Hall. Why don't you stand up, ladies? And we have a few people in attendance tonight that I would like to recognize. Uh, and if you would please hold your applause, I just want to go through this quickly so we can get moving. First of all, uh, we have two of our county elected officials here. As a matter of fact, two of the top people in the county. Our court administrator, Bill Hare, and our county sheriff, Tony Guy. Where are you? And you may have seen Sheriff Guy's van parked out front. It's ready and waiting in case anybody gets out of line. Also, Mr. George Juba. Is Mr. Juba here? Okay, good to see you, Mr. Juba. President and CEO of the organization that runs Seven Oaks. Those of you that have been attending the banquet over the years know that we sort of alternate uh, between the two. We've had a few of them at Seven Oaks, a few of them here, but it's, it's great to have Mr. Juba here with us tonight. Also, I want to recognize our past inductees that are here. First of all, obviously she needs to be here, I hope she's here, Valerie Wright Bruno. Okay, you know, I, I usually recognize this and I will do it again. Valerie and I went to the high school prom together. Now, here's what you need to understand about that. Like anyone else that played for Coach Bruno, as much as I respected him, I feared him. So I still remember prom night, I went to pick her up at the house and we were in the living room and Coach Bruno come out and said, you better be home early and you better behave. And his beautiful wife, Jenny, who I'm sure most of you know, said, shut up, Larry, you kids go have a good time. <laughs> and I said, I'm gonna go start the car. <laughs> okay, another past inductee. Um, obviously, it was Pothsumas. Um, he's not with us, but Tony Asaldo, and he's represented tonight by his wife Darlene, son Tony, and daughters Carrie and Vicky. <laughs> another staple during our years at Beaver Falls, Bill Ross. Represented tonight by daughter Kathy and sons Bill and Tom. The running back, Jimmy Campbell. The shortstop, Jack Damasca. And the one who wrote about all of us and made us all sound a lot better than we were, Joe Tronzo, 
represented tonight by Reverend Jan Tronzo Davis. The coach, Jim Gumpy Ebersberger. The coach, Carl Flory. I see Copples in the house again, huh? All right. Uh, you've already met him, but I'm going to uh, once again introduce him, the Honorable George E. Tookie James. And pick your sport until you could play it. Arguably, uh, the best girls basketball player ever to play at Beaver Falls. Of course, maybe set, uh, equal to Charlene. You know, she's on the list tonight. But Joy Jeter. And I played receiver in high school, so to my fellow receivers, uh, no disrespect, but probably the best receiver to ever play at Beaver Falls, Tom Krasminski. His wife, uh, Ed and Val are here tonight, right? Ed and Val? Okay. A uh, gentleman who played quarterback at Beaver Falls. I think he played quarterback. Joe Namath. And last year, and I say this with all humility, I was sincerely humbled to be an inductee last year, and I, I appreciated that honor very much. I think there are many more that deserve it before me, but I appreciate it. And anything that I can have my name attached to Coach Bruno is a sincere, sincerely received award for me. And we also have a great relationship and a mutual respect with our friends from the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame. And as a matter of fact, everyone who is present tonight of the past inductees that I just mentioned also have previously been inducted in the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame. So we have a great relationship with them. And we have some inductees from the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame that I would like to recognize. First of all, Coach Bob Amelia. Is Bob here? I'll be I'm sure, I'm sure most of you, if you uh, read the paper or pay attention to anything that goes on around here in sports, you know of Bob's successes. From Arizona, the great state of Arizona, Arizona State by way of Beaver Falls, Don Bakke. He told me he was lighting it up on the golf course this morning. A gentleman who controlled every game he was ever at and sometimes games he wasn't at. Ronald Lefty Dionisio. The main man over the years from Blackhawk High School, Jack Fullen. The former superintendent of Blackhawk High School, Alan Guandola, Coach Alan Guandola. Where's, where's Alan at? Hi, Alan. I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Speaking of coaches, uh, someone whose success as far as winning titles uh, is not matched by many, and that's Coach Dan Matsuk. And speaking of coaches, 
who have had insurmountable success, Coach John Miller. And the same can be said for the next coach in a different sport, Coach Dan Oliastro. A gentleman who uh, I'm sure you have heard on many occasions at a variety of broadcasts. He is the voice of the Robert Morris Colonials. And in effect, most of you know that the football program was in effect built by Joe Walton. So we have a direct connection there. But this gentleman has the greatest voice you'll hear on any broadcast. And I'm, I'm very pleased that he's here tonight. Chris Shovlin. And last but not least in our Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame individuals that are here, who also was a past inductee, and I saved the best for last, he's a past inductee of the Larry Bruno Foundation, and he's in the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame, Coach Joe Ursita. All right, also, we are privileged to have with us tonight the winningest football coach in the history of the WPIL to date. We had the pleasure of attending the WPIL Hall of Fame induction where Coach Bruno was inducted. And this coach was inducted along with Coach Bruno and several others. He's become a good friend over the years and I'm just thrilled that he's here. They don't get any better than this gentleman, Coach Jim Render from Upper St. Clair. And last night, uh, some of you were there, and we were privileged to give an honor in the name of Bruce Reed. The honor is called the Bruce Reed Community Development Award, and it follows uh, several donations that Bruce has made to the organization. And it was the inaugural award uh, under his name, and it was given to a gentleman who is, in effect, spearheading the Beaver Falls Community Development Corporation. And he explained last night the strong effort that's being made to completely revitalize downtown. And if it plays out as indicated, it's going to be very beautiful. And he's doing a lot of work with it. He's a former police officer, former police chief of Ear Falls and the current city manager, my good friend, Charles McJones. What I wanna do uh, quickly here is read you some excerpts from a letter from a successful high school football coach. Dear Coach Bruno, while I haven't seen or talked to you for quite some time, the reason I'm writing to you is to let you know that I have not quite yet gotten football out of my system and it's all your fault. I'm not sure when I decided to follow your footsteps, but my life has clearly taken this track because of my experiences at Beaver Falls. I am one of many former Tigers who has become a coach which leads me to my main point. The Larry Bruno tree has deep, deep roots that spread very wide. You have influenced so many young men who in turn have taken your lessons and have played it forward to influence the lives of scores of players and families. It is fair to say that you get credit for all of it. You have served a role for high school coaches and players all over Pennsylvania, across the country. 
You have taught us about discipline, character, integrity, resilience, organization, teamwork, brotherhood, and ultimately how to be good men and good fathers. You have opened doors that we did not know existed. The Beaver Falls High School football program set the bar very high. You helped us to meet those expectations, and then you continued your influence after the season was over with prospects about college. Nobody was better than Coach Bruno with that. I don't exaggerate when I say that you have changed my life more than anyone I've known, with the exception of my family. As I've grown older, I've learned more and more to recognize and appreciate what all you have done for me and for other players. It took a while for many of us to finally transfer the fear we had of you into the total respect and understanding that you earned and deserve. We hope that you know how important you were to us. We all owe you a debt for how you have enriched our lives. Those are excerpts from a letter that was written to Coach Bruno in December of 1984, and that letter was written by one of our inductees tonight, Dave Miller. And I can tell you, I, I got chills as I read the letter. And, you know, anyone who played for Coach Bruno would certainly attest to the veracity of those statements. And while we celebrate the present tonight, we should never forget the giant of a man whose influence has affected our lives in many, many ways. And that, in effect, is the impetus behind the Larry Bruno Foundation organization. So thank you, Dave, for sharing that with us. And I direct your attention to the screen. We have another video to show. As a player, he was a rugged, hard-running fullback. Even so, Larry Bruno is best known for the impression he made on the high school football players in his charge at both Manaka and Beaver Falls. A standout in both basketball and football at St. Aloysius Grade School and for the Potters at East Liverpool High School in Ohio, Bruno crossed the state line to attend Geneva College, where he lettered in both sports. His education was interrupted by World War II where he served in the South Pacific at Guadalcanal. Upon being discharged, Larry returned to College Hill, where he was named first-team All-State in 1946, honorable mention All-America, and second-team Little All-American. He played in the 1947 East-West Shrine Game in San Francisco, then was drafted by the Los Angeles Dons and Pittsburgh Steelers. Despite signing with the Black and Gold, Bruno played one season of semi-pro ball then gave it up to accept a more lucrative position as a high school teacher and coach. At Manaka, Larry began his head coaching career at the junior high level with the football and basketball teams in 1947. One year later, he was elevated to varsity coach in both sports. Under Coach Bruno, Manaka's basketball teams won three section titles and 160 games, dropping only 60. In football, the Indians went 52, 33, and 6 in his 11 campaigns. He landed the job as head football coach at Beaver Falls, beginning with the 1959 season, and led the Fighting Tigers to a record of 148, 50, and 10. Along the way, his 1960 team, quarterbacked by Joe Namath, went 10-0 and was crowned WPIAL Class AA champion. The 1961 Fallsmen were again perfect in 10 games, but failed to qualify for the playoffs under the Gardner Point system. Larry's last squad advanced to, but fell in the 1978 WPIAL Championship game and finished 11-1. Like the amateur magician that he was, Coach Bruno's teams were known for their innovative and deceptive style of play. After his retirement, 
Mary served as NamUs presenter at the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction and continued to attract many of the nation's top college and high school coaches, along with hundreds of local players, to his annual Larry Bruno Football Camp. Founded after passing, the Larry Bruno Foundation continues to expand its Hall of Achievement and History Center located in the Carnegie Free Library of Beaver Falls and provides scholarships and offerings to students for their academic and athletic achievements. Of course, part of our endeavor is to give scholarships to young people in the community. Uh, we basically limit that to Beaver Falls High School, obviously Black Hawk High School and the Beaver County Christian School. And we give out several scholarships. As a matter of fact, this year, I believe the total amount given out is close to $15,000. And tonight we have with us three of the scholarship recipients. They are in the category of Scholastic Award. We give, we give scholarships uh, to football players and we let the coaches of the teams make those decisions, and a few others that are decided in a different way. But the award winners that are here with us tonight are as a result of us getting resumes from the superintendent of their respective schools. The resumes do not have a name on them, and we blindly pick based on our evaluation of the resume. And as a result, there are three young people who are here with us tonight, and I would like for them to come up at this point in time that would be uh, Maggie Townsend, Jimmy Carbone, and Jenna Ciricetti. Come on up. Now, let me say this to you. If you look in the program, you will see the different activities they were involved in. And I can tell you, if I were to read those to you in their entirety, we'd be here all night. Uh, because they're very, very impressive. But I will summarize by saying this. All of them graduated with highest honors. All of them are involved in many extracurricular activities. And all three of them are involved in several charitable and religious activities. It's a credit to them, it's a credit to their parents, and it's a credit to their schools. We have Maggie Townsend from the Beaver County Christian School, and Jenna Cherichetti and Jimmy Carbone from Beaver Falls High School. Congratulations. Last year was the first year that a scholarship award was given in the name of William R. Livingston II. Bill was a 1969 graduate of Beaver Falls High School, and he was one of the most genuine, caring, and friendly people you would ever want to meet. After graduating from community college in the Pennsylvania State Police Academy, he began a 23-year career as a law enforcement officer that culminated with him being the chief of the Patterson Township Police Department, which is very significant because that's where I live. He then received his magisterial district judge certification, and in November of 2015 was appointed by the governor to the position of district judge for the Beaver Falls area and was reelected without opposition in the following years. Bill passed away way too soon. He died in 2016 and he survived by his wife, Christine, and family. Bill was a personal friend of mine. He was a fellow believer in the gospel. And I can tell you as president judge, there was never any doubt I could count on Judge Livingston to do the right thing in treating all who appeared before him fairly and equitably. He was just a great man and he was a credit to our system. 
Now, some of his friends after his passing established this scholarship fund, and some of them are here tonight, and I believe I, I have this correctly. I know John Luce is here tonight. Where's John? Dennis Russo, Dennis, former Beaver Falls quarterback, Dennis Russo. Former Beaver Falls lineman Joe White and his wife Barb, and also other members of the, uh, that committee are Cheryl Maine, Joanne Minia, and Francis Tuno, and I don't think they're here, is that correct? Okay, well thank you. Thank you all for what you do. So on behalf, and, and the scholarship recipient uh, that was their selection uh, is not able to be here tonight, but let me just tell you briefly a little bit about him. Uh, his name is Tristan Hall. He is a 2018 graduate of New Brighton High School. He is currently enrolled in the criminal justice program at the Community College of Beaver County. His selection was based on his academic record combined with his community service. So he will be receiving uh, his award, which will be a plaque as well as the uh, financial aspect of it when he returns to town. So that's Tristan Hall, graduate of New Brighton High School. And thank you all for that. The Tronzo family has long been a staple in the Beaver Falls community. No one symbolizes the pride and spirit of the Fighting Tigers more than them. A big family with a rich history involved in all levels and types of activity year-round, working with young and old alike. And of course, the award-winning longtime journalist and sports writer Joe Tronzo who was inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement in 2015 and previously in the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame, is the most recognizable name in the family. The Tronzo family developed and funded this award to recognize those who tirelessly give of themselves for the betterment of our fellow citizens. Now tonight, uh, Reverend Jan Tronzo Davis is here. Uh, Jan, do you want to come up to give out the award? And also present are last year's award winners, Steve and Becky Salapek. Uh, they received the award last year for their efforts with the Beaver Falls Community Christmas Dinner, uh, where they feed over 1,500 on Christmas Day. And they were, they were last year's winners. This year's award winner is Christine Kroger, the Neighborhood North Museum of Play. Come up, Christine. The Neighborhood North Museum of Play is an organization working in response to the need for equitable educational opportunities in our community. Bridging the school and home environments, museums are able to uniquely support families to positively impact the trajectory of their children's lives. At Neighborhood North, their mission is to accomplish this by inspiring children, connecting families, and building creative community where play and learning connect through exploration, hands-on exhibits, and innovative programming. And it's my understanding that you are in the process of revamping the old News Tribune building, is that correct? Okay, well you're gonna need a lot of hands on that one from what I've seen of it. Well that's great and uh, God bless you and your efforts and that would be great to see you revitalize that but despite that, thank you for all you do. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Pasquale Pat Nardelli from Coppell, Pennsylvania. He is the president of the Castle Book Development Group, a commercial development group that is 
in effect involved in all aspects of public and private development. Pat has been a great contributor to our organization, and he's a great friend and a great gentleman. So tonight we are giving out the first annual Pat Nardelli Community Service Award. So Pat, if you want to come up, please. I know it's going to take you a while to get here. I want to give you a head start. But tonight's award winner is from Tiger Paws, Mr. Matt Nance, the executive director of the Tiger Paws Youth Ministry. Tiger Paws Youth Ministry is a Christ-centered organization that cultivates community by offering holistic programs to Beaver County's young people and their families. They seek to equip and empower individuals within our disadvantaged neighborhoods, developing lasting relationships, and through dedication and collaboration, create a community where youth and their families thrive. They preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and watch the Lord redeem lives, build leaders, and transform communities. And I can tell you, I have witnessed their work firsthand. I say there loosely because this man is the main guy behind all of it. And he does a tremendous job with our young people. When I was coaching at Beaver Falls, we got involved with Tiger Paws and they automatically became part of our program. And I know that has continued throughout the years um, and it will continue into the future. So. Matt, God bless you for all you do. Thank you. Congratulations. And thank you, Pat, for all you do also. Okay, at this time, if I could have the members of the Beaver Falls 2016 Fighting Tiger State Championship team just come up real quick. Fellas, we want to talk to you for a moment. And the coaches, come on. I've already uh, introduced you to them at the outset of the program. And then Coach Brian Burton also has appeared, so he's here with them now. And we'll hear from him momentarily. Now, obviously, you guys follow instruction well with the success of your season, right? So I'm going to give you one instruction. I want you to say your name and give us a short sentence. Keep it short. How's that? Go ahead, you go first. Hi, I'm Devin Little, and this is a short sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Tell, you know what, tell, give him the mic back. <laughs> You're not getting off that easy, buddy. Uh, one short sentence about the 2016 season. The 2016 state championship team had great leadership. Hi, I'm Jimmy Carbone. And the 2016 state championship season was really long, but it was definitely a lot of fun. Totally worth it. Hi, I'm Mason Crothers, and the 2016 football season was also a very long season for me also, but uh, no other group stuck together like us. Hello, my name is Seth Gossick. I played center, and it was fun beating Quip at Heinz Field. Hi, 
I'm Anthony. I'm a Grasso assistant coach. I just wanted to say thank you to the players. Thank you to the coaches. Thank you to Mr. Carbone. And a special thanks to coach, head coach Ryan Matzuk. He did an outstanding job playing for you, coaching with you. You're amazing, man. Thank you for the ride. Hi, my name is Bruce Davidson. I'm also an assistant coach. And uh, Anthony stole my thunder. I wanted to thank Ryan also. So, uh, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Mark Taylor. I was assistant coach also in 2016. And um, I'd like to thank the Bruno Foundation for having us here and honor us tonight. And I'd also like to thank my wife uh, for putting up with all my crap for all those years. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick Nardone. I was the defensive coordinator in the 2016 season, and I'm the current head coach at Beaver Falls. Uh, Got to thank Ryan for giving me the opportunity to be a part of that year and thank the players that were here and the players that uh, didn't make it tonight for all the hard work that they put in that season. They, they got everything they deserved for the work and effort they put in. My name is Dan Summers. I'm the athletic trainer for Big Beaver Falls School District. And it was my first year, and it was a very memorable year. I got to meet a lot of great kids, and we had a phenomenal season. And I grew up with Ryan, so it was great getting a chance to work with him. Hello, my name is Rodney Slappy, and uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to the Larry Bruno Foundation for the award. And uh, I'm just glad to uh, have been able to be a part of this group. I'm uh, Brian Burton. I was an assistant coach. I just want to thank the Bruno Foundation and uh, Ryan for letting me coach in the good city of Beaver Falls. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dan Matzok. I'm the original Coach Matzok. And I want to thank Ryan for reminding me a thousand times that he was the head coach and not me. You know, looking up here and, and, and watching that video before we came in, um, you know, this 2016 embodied everything that when you try to create a program as far as uh, setting forth expectations, uh, finding an identity, uh, this team embodied all of those things, the way they responded to adversity all year long. Uh, going into, I think we beat four or five number one teams uh, on our run to the state championship. So I'm forever uh, grateful for coaching that group of young men. They were, they were, they were a wonderful group to coach, uh, a lot of good memories. Um, I want to thank all these coaches that showed up here tonight. We had a tremendous staff, and I think if you look up here, you got a, a, a multitude of experience along with uh, guys who were Beaver Falls guys, guys who played for us. Um, you know, the, it was the perfect storm, and, and, and they got the most out of these kids, and I think that, uh, you know, the credit, a lot of the credit that goes on goes to them. So thank you, coaches. Uh, I do want to thank Mr. Carbone as well, who's here, or the athletic director. I mean, I, under his tenure, at least in the years that I was head coach. If you looked at all the sports at Beaver Falls, there are a multitude of championships in many sports outside of football um, and, and a lot of success. And the, and the guy who is the head of the athletic program is, is Mr. Carbone. And I, I think he kind of deserves a round of applause for a lot of the things that he did behind the scenes that year.
And, and lastly, and most importantly, I want to thank my family, my wife, Kelly, um, you know, my mother's back there. And, and certainly both of them have been through very, uh, a lot of football seasons, um, you know, playing for my father, uh, being the son of a coach, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard, you know, but this, this, this was our life for a long time. And it was really, really gratifying to take what he did at Rochester, bring it to here at Beaver Falls and kind of get the equal results with a state championship. So this man started the blueprint. We brought it here and it worked. So I think uh, that that was a great thing. But, uh, you know, all of my family, my children, you know, in particular, my wife, are, you know, it is tough. You put a lot of time in and, and you're away a lot. And since I've been out, obviously, I'm home more. She probably doesn't want me to be home as much as I am now. But uh, but but it's been great. I don't regret it for a minute. It was great being with this group of people. And, and, and you know, I just want to end it with this. You know, when I took the job at Beaver Falls back in 2006, the first thing my father said to me was, you do understand that, that, that this is a special job. I said, I do understand that. He goes, no, this is the job. This, you know, Beaver Falls is a big deal. I'm like, I understand that I was a teacher there before I had become the coach. And he is absolutely right. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people go to the games and you hear a lot of the negative things. And this person said this, but th that's not Beaver Falls. Beaver Falls is what's in this room right now. The, a lot of pride in, in their traditions and the success that has gone along with being a Beaver Falls Tiger. So as Coach Bruno said, once a Tiger, always a Tiger. I feel that way. So thank you very much for your time and enjoy your evening. Thank you. Okay. Um, in a moment, I am going to ask our inductees to come up and have a seat. But before we get to that, okay, you know, obviously we have a special gentleman with us tonight, and I'm not going to call him a guest because he's not a guest. He's one of us, and that's exactly the way he wants it, and that's exactly the way it is. He is more one of us than most people would imagine. But I would be remiss if I didn't expound on that a little bit. Now, first of all, I, I don't have to say something that has been said thousands upon thousands of times over, that when you're from Beaver County, generally, and Beaver Falls, specifically, you just can't wait for somebody to ask you when you're on vacation where you're from. <laughs> because once you give them that answer, they automatically know you're a lot cooler than they are, whoever they may be. Now, I want to tell you a couple quick stories. When I was at the University of Louisville, Louisville to you northerners, Louisville to us southern guys, my senior year, I was one of the captains in the spring game. We divided the team up. I'm sure all of you have seen a spring game. So we went out for the coin toss. Well, the honorary captain for the spring game was none other than Johnny Unitas, who was our most famous alumni. Well, had the coin toss, and the other guys ran off the field, and I didn't. And they're yelling at me, come on, man. I said, are you kidding me? That's Johnny Unitas. So I stood out there and I talked to him briefly. I introduced myself to him. I said, Mr. Unitas, I just want you to know that, man, it's a tremendous pleasure to meet you. I've played the Johnny Unitas football game as far back as I can remember. And I really can't believe I'm talking to you right now. And he looked at me and said, where are you from, son? And I said, I'm from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. And he said, there's a pretty good quarterback from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. <laughs> now, of course, I had to bite my tongue. I didn't want to say, you mean the one that beat you a couple years ago in the Super Bowl? <laughs> and then another little episode. In 1976, it was the spring of 76, 
downtown Louisville, they renamed the Main Street Muhammad Ali Boulevard. And that was after the Thrilla in Manila, if you remember that, when Ali beat Joe Frazier. Well, they were giving him the keys of the city. So they certainly announced that, and anybody who wanted to go down to meet Ali was welcome to do so. So, of course, you know, my guys were going. We get downtown. I've never seen a line that long. I swear it was 10 city blocks long. But we waited. So finally, finally, I get up to shake Muhammad Ali's hand. He's standing there bigger than life. And one of my buddies said, you know, of course, somebody always has to say something. But one of my buddies said, uh, Ali, you're meeting a guy from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, the hometown of Joe Namath. And Ali looked at me and he said, man, you're more famous than I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was quick. And I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that thinks they can get in the ring with a heavyweight boxer, you better check your, uh, your will. Because when I stood in front of Ali, who never looked that big in the ring compared to the guys he was fighting, he was huge. I mean, I, that was the first time I realized that if I got in the ring with him, I don't think I would come out alive. He's, he's a big man and obviously the greatest. But he still recognized that Joe got him top. Okay, with that being said, I'm going to ask Joe to come up and greet the people. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Uh, I know so many guys in here and, and not enough ladies. <laughs> I, I'm still trying. I want you to know that. But, uh, you know, I see Tukey James, Jackie Damascus, guys that uh, I grew up with. Linwood and I, uh, Freddie, we watched uh, the guys that were ahead of us pave the way. And I have nothing but gratitude and thank the good Lord every day several times that I am from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, in this Beaver Valley, this community. You know, there was a time that folks, uh, when they were asked, where are you from? They say, well, I'm from Poland, or I, I, I'm from uh, wherever, Germany, whatever. And they said, Joe, uh, wh what are you? What, what's your ethnicity? I said, I'm Western Pennsylvanian Hungarian. <laughs> and I'm Beaver Falls, that's right. And you know, uh, watching these students, these youngsters come up here today, the football players, the athletes, man, I'm so excited for them. But you folks, the older folks here, Thank you, because you have led the way. Coach Bruno has led the way for so many of us, and uh, we treat one another with respect. I know WPA, Aliquippa, the Valley, uh, we treat one another with respect. The world needs to do that more. We need to understand that. Love and respect for one another. Love and respect for one another, and we'll get along so much better. Coach Bruno told us, I'll never forget that meeting. It was my junior year, Richie Nightabella's senior year, and uh, Coach Bruno's first year, he said, fellas, if you don't dream about it, 
It'll never happen. It's all right to dream. And, and it shocked me because I was one of those guys sitting in St. Mary's parochial school and in junior high school. I'd be daydreaming, man. I, would, I couldn't hear the teacher. Danny Sakaris was one of my teachers. And hell, I didn't know what he was saying up there. <laughs> I, I was thinking of being out on a field or a court, you know. And when Coach Bryant or Coach, uh, well, that's a good name to mix in there with Coach Bruno, by the way, for you coaches, Coach Bryant. That fellow that had the guy from Western PA named Vito Babe Pirelli yeah. and George Blanda huh? had two uh, WPA guys at Kentucky. But uh, now it threw me off. I got so excited here. <laughs> I forgot where. Somebody help me out. Where was I? Coach Bruno, it's all right to dream about it my junior year. And I was so sad. Nobody ever told me I could dream about something. And it was all right to dream about it because then you really might be able to make it happen. And man, when he said that, I started dreaming about making the team, winning the championship. It was all about winning the championship with our guys. Those gentlemen up here tonight on the stage that just left and won that 2016 championship, man. No matter what level we're on, whether it's Little League, high school, college, pro ball, the goal is to make the team and win the championship. And we don't do it alone. It's a team effort. Life itself is a team effort, a community effort, all of us together with love and respect. Thank you for coming. Hey, the board members, man, Rick, Ron Main, these guys work hard. I, I, I'm just thankful to be here. But I want to thank the board members for how they work year-round to get this together and for you folks to come out and support us. God bless you all. Thank you. Okay, Bob Blythe, Trippy, come on up. Glenn Dennison, David Miller, Charlene Taylor, Ken Yonke, come on up and have a seat. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? Join yourself? Okay, good. Good. Well, I have a couple questions to ask you. And I'm going to ask Joe to chime in at any point in time he feels appropriate to do so. Why don't we start with this one? Charlene, you were a big part of establishing the Beaver Falls Lady Tigers as the premier girls basketball team in Western Pennsylvania. What are your memories of those days? Uh, I think the greatest memory was um, the Beaver Falls Parade, sports parade that we had after we won the national championship in 1985, um, Beaver Falls was a win in his high school. We had won a championship in baseball, basketball, football, tennis, golf, whatever it was, we won a championship that year. Title Town. Title Town. And we had a big parade, and the whole city of Beaver Falls came out. All this businesses shut down. It was just a wonderful time, and it, it made you so proud to be from Beaver Falls and just to share that memory with all of the other uh, teams was one of my fondest memories. Thank you. And I, I remember that year very well. And, you're, and uh, just a couple years ago, we actually honored the 1984 football team. Uh, it was one of those title teams that you were referring to. And many of the young men on that team played on the basketball team that won the championship. And then, of course, you girls took it from there. Okay. Charlene, wait. Did they, uh, your teammates, they ever bust your chops about wanting the ball and shooting it so much? You know, being a gunner. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
Uh, I would say no because I had 604 assists, so I gave the ball a lot. Oh, God! <laughs> you know, Joe was thinking you shot as much as he did when he was in high school. Okay, David Miller. You played for Coach Bruno in the mid-60s, still somewhat an early stage of his career, Beaver Falls High School. When you think back on those years, what are your fondest memories of Coach Bruno, who was in the beginning stages, although he'd had tremendous success right off the bat, he was still in the beginning stages of his career. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, we didn't know that. We thought he was uh, struck direct from God himself. And so we had uh, definite respect and fear. And I'll tell you what wasn't my uh, favorite, most favorite moment. Um, I was back, I forget who we were playing, but I was back for a punt and I couldn't field it, so I let it go and it bounced past me. But I'm thinking, they think I touched it. So I raced back and covered it and there was a, a white chalk across my test, chest and that was the end zone chalk. The ball was like on the one yard line. I came back and Coach Bruno grabbed me by the face mask and he said, Miller, you're killing me. And, and I'm a good guy, man. I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a boy scout. I'm a goody two-shoes. And I'm thinking, what's he saying to these other guys? And, uh, and the, the, other, the other thing that I was not fond of that I remember, we're playing Butler. I'm a sophomore. Ronnie Main's starting. Jimmy's getting to play a little bit. And uh, everybody's screwing up. They're, they're beating us by a couple. And they, they've got Bill Redding, the Saul brothers, and guys that are playing the NFL. And he's really ripping in, into us at halftime. And he said, you're down, you're down, you're down. I need, a, I need a corner, and I'm trying to hide. And he says, Miller, you're playing the second half. I'm a sophomore. I'm like 160 pounds, and I'm playing against Butler. I'm saying, please, God, please. And we got through it. We didn't win, but we got through it. It was my sort of test by fire. Um, but those are the, the bad things. I remember the, the good things. Um, I, was, I was back playing defense junior year, again, Jimmy's year. And we're in a tough game with, with uh, Ambridge. And they're driving, they're gonna beat us. We're ahead by one or one point. And I get an interception and it closes the game out. And I'm thinking, ah, we won the game and I'm, I'm part of it, I'm making it happen. And uh, it's the only one game, but my, uh, my roommate buddy at, uh, at Princeton's here, he's a, he's a wonderful guard, he was an all East guard. And, and um, he pointed that out to me, that's the only time we beat them in the three years. And uh, <laughs> he's back here, Bo Stone. Um, the other time uh, that gave me a great deal, a bunch of cheer and I felt good about was the Sharon game because I'm playing in Jimmy, Jimmy's shadow all the time. And um, I saw today at the, at the museum, he, he ran for 82 yards against Sharon. Well, that was my best game. I had 100, 146 yards against Sharon at home. That's probably why I got into college. And uh, after, it's not the, not the run and not the yards, but I came home and I'm going into the locker room and Sammy Allen's dad, he used to hang around and buck up the team and everything. And he said to me, Jimmy Camel? Who's Jimmy Camel? And he said, you keep playing that that way and you're going to make people forget Jimmy Camel. Well, the proof's in the pudding. I didn't make anybody forget anything, but we know about <laughs> Jimmy Camel. Well, but you certainly made your own path. That's for sure. Glenn, Glenn Dennison. Obviously, you played for Coach Bruno in high school, including his last year as the head coach of Beaver Falls. You didn't have anything to do with it being his last year, did you, Glenn? No. Okay. No. I, I uh, think Coach Bruno at the time was 32 years in. Yes. And uh, when I came out of JV and I was with Bob, Coach Blythe, with, uh, out of JV, and for me, working and playing under Coach Bruno, 
it was kind of a blur because it was real magical. You know, I've heard uh, Coach Asaldo talking about Artie DeSisto. I mean, he every practice, he was talking about Artie DeSisto and Larry Bruno and, you know, playing in the big time. That was the big time for me, so I was I was enamored, you know, just coming sure. out of, of, of Coppel to Beaver Falls, yeah. Well, and I think all of us would agree with that yeah. feeling. When, yeah. when you first walk into that locker room yeah. knowing that you are part of the Tiger team being coached by Coach Bruno, that was yeah. a special, special feeling, and a scary feeling. Well, I remember honest. a lot of times, too, when the, you know, summer practiced the Dust Bowl, yeah. you know, back in the day. I mean, it was just hard as a rock, clay. And he'd be out there, and I remember Coach Bruni had a bone spur. I don't know if you guys remember the bone spur. But he stayed out there, and he stayed with us the whole way, you know, oh, yeah. every practice. Well, you know, when you talk about the practice field, the dust bowl, dust, rocks, glass. You oh, yeah. It. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we, give, we give all the credit in the world to the 2016 championship team, but they yeah, play yeah, on it's soft. They're soft. They They're in football soft yeah. nowadays, you know. <laughs> They like back in the day, like Joe, you know? <laughs> Shit. Joe, what was it feel like when you played? Well, there wasn't any water. It was all dirt and Coach Bruno. Now, I'm talking about one day we had a teeming rainstorm. And that, there must have been four inches of mud out there. And Coach Bruno was giving us Bert Kerstutter, Butchie Ride, the backfield. He's giving us Kane about timing. Timing. He wanted perfect timing in the backfield. The offensive linemen are slipping and sliding everywhere. Coach Bruno didn't care about mud. <laughs> you know, you had to get it done. And, and that's a question for Glenn here. What was it like going to Howard Schnellenberger? I, I saw Glenn play in a national championship game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers down in Miami. And, uh, well, you, you tell us a little bit about that national championship game. Well, it's... Uh... Coach Bruno, Coach Nullenberg are very similar with their, you know, they're, 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 they were guys with very few words. And you, you just understood. Great leadership. When I, I, I guess what, when I think about it, the, the difference is when you're playing for Coach Bruno High School, you go home every night to a home-cooked meal. To Dad, which I love very much. He's turning 87 next month. Hey, all right, sir. <laughs> Yay. But you're going, uh, all of a sudden, you're on your own. 17 years old, leaving New Galley. That's where I grew up and played. And uh, for a college coach, it's more like your second father. In high school with Coach Pruna, that's why maybe I don't have as many memories. But it's just a totally different world, you know. Yeah, I know they were kind of different personalities. Personally, you know, Coach, Brian, or Coach Bruno... Uh, he'd get fired up and all, but uh, back whenever I had Coach Schnellenberger, it was at a time that the coaches could still put their hands on players. No, that's right. Yeah, man. And, 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 there, and there's a connection a lot of people I'm finding out don't know about. When I was coming out of high school, Coach Bruno uh, worked, just worked really hard to find me a scholarship. And uh, Coach Schnellenberger knew Coach Bruno because it because of uh, Joe Namath over here. And he said, anybody coming out of that Beaver Falls program and Coach Bruno, I'm going I'm to bring on board. And he probably couldn't wait and, to get and, his and hands on you, that's how I started too. in, in uh, 1979. Yeah, that's why I was uh, recruited. And then five years later, 
we won the national championship. Very good. Five years. It built a dynasty. You did. Right? Okay, Trippy. Bob played. Go ahead. Give him a round of applause. We're not done yet. He's not done talking. Uh, Trippy, Bob played high school football at Elwood City for Chuck Knox, a legendary NFL coach. What is your memory of his playing days? Well, I'll be honest. You know, it's a little harder talking about someone else as opposed to yourself uh, like these other guys. It's kind of hard. Uh, what I remember is he loved Chuck Knox, and I think there's no doubt that he emulated him throughout his entire coaching career. He loved to run the football. Chuck, of course, was called Ground Chuck. Uh, when the sirens went off in town, we used to turn to one another and say, well, Chuck's team must have thrown another pass. <laughs> but Bob, Bob was a, uh, he was a tweener. He played some uh, guard and tackle, dabbled at center, played some offense, played some defense. Uh, but he was, uh, he, was, he was really a good athlete, okay? Uh, one funny story that I remember that involves Chuck Knox a little is that uh, Bob showed up one day with a broken hand. And Chuck said, Bob, and first off, Chuck was very, very pissed off, okay? And said, Bob, what happened? He said, well, my brother, my, me and my sister, we were playing in the, uh, playing foot, tackle football in the living room. And my sister broke my hand, and Chuck, <laughs> Chuck looked at him and said, can you bring her over here tomorrow? <laughs> so that's what I remember. All right. Okay. Ken Yonke. Many of us are familiar with Beaver Falls athletics during the Coach Bruno era. You were a student athlete at Beaver Falls High School in the late 40s wherein your baseball coach was Bill Ross. What was it like back then? Well, we had a very good league, Beaver County. Every team was good. Every team was loaded. And Bill Ross was not a baseball man. He was the athletic director at Beaver Falls High School. And so he was a coach of coaches. So he had the kind of demeanor that, as far as I was concerned personally, I liked it because he was... Um, low-keyed about things, very supportive, and uh, didn't shake up the lineup a whole lot, and he let us play. And I, and I found that to be uh, refreshing because I played for an American Legion team that had a manager that uh, was pretty aggressive and pretty loud and sometimes vulgar. It was, it was a contrast, and I, I prefer the, the cerebral type like uh, Bill Ross. He was a great man. Good for Beaver Falls High School all the way around, and I want to say that to his family. It's in the audience here that uh, you, you come from a good lineage. No question, and he was also a staple of the program in the following years. Uh, obviously, he was the football coach at one point, and then he was Coach Bruno's right-hand man for many, many years. All right, uh, Charlene. After a great high school career, you matriculated to the University of New Haven. What prompted you to go there? A four-year scholarship. <laughs> That'll work every time. No, the coach actually was from Beaver Falls, Jan Rossman. And Joy and I played high school ball in sixth grade. And so her best friend 
uh, was Mary, was a woman by the name of Mary, and she told Jan Rossman about myself and Joy. And Jan Rossman had been following us since we were in sixth grade. And when she found out we were graduating, she contacted us and flew us out to Connecticut. And the rest is history. Well, and obviously you made history there. And, and you, along with uh, some of your teammates, uh, were telling me that at one point in time you had a starting five that was all Beaver Falls. Is that correct? Yes, it was the first time that five players from the same high school were started way before the Fab Five. Uh, it was the Fab Beaver Falls. It was myself, <laughs> myself, Joy Jeter, uh, Tanya Stills, Sonia, and Tanya Walker. And, and if I was being told the truth, the fact is that all of you reverted back to your high school days and put the full court press on them and ran them out. Is that true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, Dave, Princeton, obviously a legendary university for a variety of reasons. What made you decide to go to Princeton? You know, I think I first heard the word Princeton. I was at Patterson Township uh, Elementary School, and they used to have a, a Princeton-Yale basketball game. And the first thing I've heard, ever heard of even college. And so that stuck with me. And then as you run through life, you hear people drop in names and you know influence and that sorts of thing. And, and I would like to say that, that it didn't influence me. I'm above that. But... You know, it just didn't. And then, then I um, had Coach Bruno send some films away, and he sent them to you know a couple, couple, three schools, and I visited them. And I, in, in order, I visited Yale first, and they were all wearing these uh, Weijins, no socks, and uh, bla blue blazers, and uh, that didn't seem to be my style. Plus, I went to a, um, a, a junior philosophy class. I had no idea what was going on. And uh, it was snowy in the winter. They had gates up, and I was thrilled. I just felt it was the end of the world. I get to go to visit this school. I came off the plane, told my parents, but I can't go there. Uh, then we visited Yale, or visited Penn. Jeff Hill and I went with uh, with our, our friend from Ambridge, Bo, and and uh, and it was crazy, crazy parties. There was fire trucks and policemen. We're out in the street. Philadelphia was crazy. I called my girlfriend from the hotel, and she said, "What was it like? Oh, it's fantastic. You're going to go there? Oh heavens, no! I can't go to this place." <laughs> Um, and then in the spring, they had house parties at Princeton. It was about 70 degrees. Everybody was having a great time. They had all these beautiful girls, and this is an all-male school, and I'm thinking, how is this happening? And um, I went, went to all these parties, and I was the, the guest of, the, the recruit guest of, of Bert Kerstetter. And I, so I lived with, with him for a couple of days, and I got, I got us all the recruits' dates, because uh, Jack Jaycox's girlfriend moved to Princeton, so I called her up, and, and of course, they thought it was wonderful. I had all these contacts, and it was just sort of lucky. So we went to all these parties, and I'm thinking, this is, this is fantastic, and I think I can do this here. And then I'm leaving to get my tickets, my airplane tickets, uh, to fly out. It's Sunday morning. Of course, everybody's asleep. I had to sneak into Bert's room, and uh, everybody's in there, and, and all the players, and all their dates and everything. I just hate my children to hear this, but I, 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 I don't wake anybody up. I'm, I sneak out of there with my tickets and give them to the other, other recruits. And just as we're leaving, this beautiful blonde girl pokes up from Bert and I'm thinking, oh my God, unbelievable. I gotta come here, right? <laughs> this is stupid. So another 16 year old stupid reason for going to college. Well, here, I thought you went there for the education. Uh, well, well, 
I got the full measure of what it means to go to a single-sex school. It was tough for four years. It was really difficult, which is great because then I became a student and I worked hard and spent more dates in the library than I had with uh, the other sex. But it all worked out. Joe, when I was at Louisville, our curriculum did not match that at Princeton. What about Alabama? Uh, I think a, a distant uh, 27th uh, in ranking to Princeton, but I, I was just thinking that maybe once a tiger, always a tiger. Was that that was you were thinking about going to Princeton yeah. from Beaver Falls? You know. Well, part part of that's true. In fact, I have that in my notes here, uh, and I have I only have one tattoo. Everybody's got tattoos, right? I got a little hiding one you can't see. You know what's down there? It's a little tiger. Uh, I didn't have to get another Letterman's jacket. You know, both orange and black, orange and black, both tigers. So uh, you cut me, and uh, I got tiger blood in there. Well, and at one point, and I don't know whether it was during your years, but Jake McCandless was the head coach of Princeton, and he's from Beaver Falls. Yeah, I'll tell you how smart I was. I wasn't. I was out and an adult in teaching and coaching before I realized, before I knew that Jake grew up on Jeff Hill Street, and his parents lived, still lived there. And Jeff and I used to, on Halloween, soap their windows and throw toilet paper on their house. This is the guy. This is the uh, guy that's going to recruit let, me. Let me give you a little bit of a warning about some of these stories you're telling. Um, <laughs> you know, in in the legal profession, we have a thing called the statute of limitations. But I've been married for 36 years, I think it is, and there's no statute of limitations that oh. applies to any of those stories. So you better be careful. <laughs> well, the good news is, you know, we've been married 49. If she was going to throw me under the bus, she'd have done it a while ago. She knows, right. knows these. Okay, Glenn, at the University of Miami, you set receiving records. Your quarterback was a star, Bernie Kosar. You won a national championship. And then in 1984... You were drafted by the team that Joe Willie beat, uh, built, the New York Jets. What was it like, Beaver Falls to, I don't know, did you go to Broadway or did you just go to Main Street? What was that no, like? I, I was Main, yeah, I was Main Street. <laughs> so, uh, you know, leaving Beaver Falls, actually, I, was, I lived in New Galley. Shout out to New Galley, couple. Um, and I remember... I don't know, I was nine, ten years old, sitting on my helmet in the front yard waiting for my ride to Copple to play for Coach Asaldo, ready to put his foot in my ass, you know. <laughs> he always threatened you. And then, uh, you know, going to Coach Bruno, Coach Schnellenberger, it was just uh, some great leaderships, great mentors, years, years coaching. I mean, between probably the three of them, what, 70 years, 80 years? Hard to say. A lot of years. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm forever grateful for that. And I've learned so much. And Well, you certainly and, uh, carved yeah. out a good path, and I congratulate yeah. you for yeah. that. And as you indicate, you had some good mentors, which we all know is yeah. invaluable. The and, best, yeah. Invaluable. Yeah. All right, Trippy. obviously uh, we have to give you a chance to – Speak to the Koppel crowd here tonight. <laughs> Actually, we are all here as guests of the Koppel crowd. That's right. <laughs> but, um, and and what, what we have is evidence of the, the tight-knitness of that community. So you and Bob and obviously your family or um, your other siblings grew up in Koppel. Give us a couple good old Koppel stories. Well, I could go on and on and on and on. Okay, I could take the rest of the night with this. 
I guess the thing about Koppel is that, you know, we all played sports. We were all, I think, pretty good athletes. And if you wanted a game, a basketball, a football, a baseball game, it would take you literally a minute. And you'd have, you know, 5, 10, 15 guys down, the, down at, the, at the ball diamond or over in the basketball court or whatever. Uh, and uh, my brother and I, you know, in Koppel, we, we, he and I fought a lot. And uh, so well, wait a our, minute now before you go too much further. I want to tell you, you know, I coached with him, and he was always awful proud of you, and he bragged yeah, about how good well, of a baseball of, player you were. So I'm, I'm proud of him too. Okay, I don't mean it. I don't mean it like uh, you know, break a bone or not. But he was always <laughs> no, so much bigger than me. I couldn't hurt him, and it used to really rankle me. And I, all I wanted was a welt. I didn't want a broken bone or anything like that. I just wanted the welt, and I never got it, okay? And it used to infuriate me. But we, we just had a lot of fun in Koppel. We had this railroad tracks that ran right through the middle of town. And we used to play above the tracks and below the tracks in every sport. Football, baseball, basketball, you name it. I think and, they still do that with some golf matches, if and, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Joe, it was like the Jets playing the Patriots when we played above the tracks and below the tracks. I mean, it was uh, Cardinals and the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Yankees. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It was vicious, and we talked about it last night for probably a half hour because they wanted me to declare, am I an above-the-tracks guy or below-the-tracks? Because I move below the tracks, but I'm an above-the-tracks guy. <laughs> Well, right now, tonight, you're in the middle of the tracks. How's that? <laughs> okay, Ken, after you graduated high school, you attended Geneva College, and then you served in the United States Army. What prompted you to pursue a career in education? I remember it distinctly. I remember sitting on the library curb out here on 7th Avenue, and sitting beside me was Lawrence D. Smith. L.D. Smith, some of you might remember him, truly one of the most intellectual school superintendents you're ever going to find. He's the only superintendent that could ever fill in and take over an algebra class or calculus class and do it a little better than what the regular teacher did. So I had a lot of respect for him, and he liked baseball. He used to come to a lot of the games, and he would always have a word to say afterwards and a word of encouragement or whatever. So... That day, he said, you're going to college. I said, no, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be a ball player. And uh, I have my plans all arranged. Um, I know what I'm going to do. He says, no. So he told me all the odds about playing professional, and he was right about that, I know. But anyway, he was very persuasive. And on September the 8th, I was sitting in a psychology class at Geneva College. I never even applied. He did it with a phone call. So he put me in to, to become a teacher. And little did I ever know or dream that I would end up being a superintendent of schools. But it's an irony, I guess, or a miracle of some sort. That particular day, we were both at the library. Ken, let me ask you this. Now, you've been around longer than most of us here, and you've seen some... <laughs> Well, he has, I mean, really. <laughs> And we were talking a little while ago, and, and uh, he mentioned Jackie Robinson. 
And anybody that knew Jackie Robinson, you know, I, I, I want to hear something about the relationship and how he felt when he was able to meet uh, Jackie and what you guys talked about. Well, it happened at Vera Beach. Uh, Jake Pittler uh, came to my house in February, early February, and he gave me enough money. And uh, Joe Hornacek, some people know Joe Hornacek, one of the real great ball players that came out of West Mayfield. He had a new Rocket Oldsmobile. So we drove to Florida, to, to Vera Beach, to the Dodger training camp. So I got, got to play with, with 14 um, people there who were free agents from all around the country. So we, we were our team of 14. They had the catchers and pitchers and infielders and the whole thing. And Jackie was there early for spring training and he kind of took over part of the job of mentoring us about different things. And I came out of the cafeteria one day I I just eaten and I came out of the cafeteria and that day I had stolen two bases against Miami and uh, so he tapped me on the shoulder and he wanted to know what do you look for his question had to do with when do you go and when do you get back you know when you're taking your lead so I explained to him what Steve Riley taught me and uh, another West Mayfield product great ball players from the amount of West Mayfield so anyway I told him what I did. He said, well, let, you got a few minutes? It's Jackie Robinson asked me if I have a few minutes. <laughs> wow. So we went outside behind the barracks where the, the, the dining room was, and he proceeded, and we were there until dark. He was showing me how to get a better jump on the pitcher, and it had to do with the anatomy of the pitcher. It had to do with his right heel, and nothing can happen until that right heel moves. And I'd never heard that before. And I asked him, how come nobody knows that? I said, where did you learn it? He said, I played for the um, Montreal Monarchs. And he said, I learned that from an old timer. So the next day, we're playing, and he's in our dugout. And I got a hit. And uh, I'm on first base. I, I couldn't even sleep that night. I was so excited. You know, when you're a base runner, you... you really get excited about things like this, a new technique. Anyway, I got thrown out stealing. <laughs> it gets worse. So when I came off the field, he said, come here. He said, you gotta make up your mind. You're gonna, you're gonna do what I tell you to do, or you're gonna do what Steve Riley tells you to do. He already remembered Steve Riley's name. He said, you're trying to do both, and you can't do that. you got to sell out and do one. And you understand, it's a reflex action. So anyway, later on, I got on again, misfortunately, I guess, because this time I got picked off first. <laughs> and, and I didn't even get to the base, and the first baseman clobbered me with a sucker punch with his glove. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing, totally embarrassing. You're trying to make a team... And here you are twice, you know, getting thrown out on the bases. As I'm coming off the field and I see Jackie, he's laughing. And I just went over, here he is, Jackie Robinson. Yeah, that's who he is. And I said to him, I don't see one damn thing funny about this. <laughs> he said, go down to the end of the bench and cool off. He said, so he came down and sat beside me. 
The reason I'm telling you this story is because he was such a compassionate, understanding, caring man. I never knew at that time what he had gone through. I didn't really understand all of that. Coming from Beaver Falls, you know, you, you don't really know about that stuff. And he had a really terrible experience in the minor leagues, and um, especially at uh, Little Rock. But anyway, he, he had me then coach first base. He said, when you're not in the batting order, I want you to coach first base. If somebody's on there, I want you to say, go, get back, go, get back, go, get back. So there's guys in this room here that remember me as a coach, as a manager of the American Legion team, that base running was a big thing. And, um, and know, what percentage of them got thrown out? Just Jimmy Camel. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way... <laughs> By the way, he was the fastest man on the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. Okay, Charlene, almost 24 years as a state trooper, during which you received several awards, including the Connecticut Female Trooper of the Year Award. What prompted you to go into a career in law enforcement? Well, when I was younger, me and my brother used to play cops and robbers. And I was always the cop. <laughs> And he was always <laughs> now, now, hopefully your brother didn't become a career robber. No. But, uh, and Big John, Mr. Big John was also a big influence. Um, seeing him drive around Beaver Falls was... Uh, well, you know, he's, he's one of our inductees. You I know. know that. Yes. And I never seen any females. And so... I grew up watching Quincy and all that. And so I was like, I want to be, I wanted to be a Beaver Falls cop. There's never been a female Beaver Falls cop. And, but unfortunately I went to Connecticut and. Well, I, I can tell you being in the, the profession, so to speak, that uh, being a state trooper is a very laudable position. I mean, that's, that's an accomplishment because it takes a little bit more than being average to become a state trooper. So congratulations. Thank uh, you very much. All right, Dave, uh, obviously I read the letter, uh, excerpts of the letter. That wasn't the full letter. If I read the whole letter, I'd still be reading it, but um, I'm being kinder. But uh, you decided on a career in coaching and teaching. Certainly you indicated that Coach Bruno had a dramatic influence on you, but aside from that, what, what made you go in that direction? Uh, you know, I, I liked the people that I had in junior high. I was, I was talking to Bert Robinson and Coach Ken Wonky. He was uh, one of our, my teachers and uh, John Barley. I just liked all those guys. They were young and enthusiastic. They liked what they were doing. They were getting to teach and use their mind and, and also coach. And uh, then I, I saw the, the high school coaches a little more sophisticated, just the next level. Uh, teachers like Roger Alexis and then uh, Rick Evans. Uh, how many people here had Senior Evans? You know. And I, I had a wonderful experience. I found out that uh, he was dying. And, and when I was in California, we put the word around and got to call him up and say goodbye to him. He was probably, outside of Coach Bruno and my parents, uh, maybe the third significant person who made me the person that I've, I've become, for better or worse. And I just wanted to be like those people. And I worked in, in uh, Republic Steel, and I worked in uh, Pittsburgh Bridge and Iron uh, two summers right after graduating and made a lot of money. It was fun. But it wasn't fun. I didn't want to do that for 35 years. And I thought, well, if I teach, I'm not going to make that kind of money. But 
we're pretty short on this planet and each day's got to count and I wanted to be waking up every day looking forward to going to school, going to work, coaching, and I just decided, well, I'll just make money elsewhere so I can do the things I want to do. And people said, if you, if you, if you do stuff that you like, you're never going to go to a day of work. And I can honestly say, and I hope this doesn't sound trite, but I look forward to every day going to school and teaching and coaching. And if you had about 20 hours, I could give you stories of, of, of players and, and students who've gotten back to my wife and me. We've got 100 years together, and you can't buy that kind of stuff. It's just wonderful. Um, uh, Harry Wong was a teacher in uh, Palo Alto. When we read his book before school started every year, and we gave it to people that we wanted to help be teachers. And he was an Asian gentleman, and his parents wanted him to be a doctor. And the dedication to his book, he dedicated it to his parents, who wanted him to be a doctor, but he said that he exceeded their expectations. He became a teacher. And the other person that validated uh, what we do as teachers and coaches and the Larry Brunos of the world came from Lee Iacocca's book. Some of you are old enough to remember his book, bestseller, uh, Turn Chrysler Around, and he dedicated his book to teachers. And he said, in a perfect world, we all would aspire to be teachers. And I just took those people seriously. Well, it's without question an extremely noble and needed profession. There is no doubt about that. So I congratulate you on that. And I wish more nowadays had that same thought process that you, you had. Okay, Glenn, all, all I want you to do is give us a quick summary because we all, I'm sure I speak for everyone here, look forward to watching the national championship game. I mean, it has become bigger than life, bigger than it probably should be, to be quite honest, over the years. But you played in the national championship game. So give us just a quick, quick summary. Well, the biggest thing was I caught the first two touchdowns. All right. <laughs> that, that jumped us up to 14-0, then we held on for dear life. Okay. As you know, everybody knows Nebraska, Sports Hill was calling them the team of the decade. So a lot of respect for that team, but yeah. I'll bet that's that basically just, what happened. That had to be a tremendous thrill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's the dream yeah. of, of anyone yeah. who plays college football, to be in that game and then to be a star on that stage. That's something special. Yeah, yeah it was pretty amazing. And, uh, Joe, you were there the night before in our pregame. Uh, yeah, we I coached had a chance yeah. to visit with those guys and Coach Nellenberger, and we yeah. were fired up, boy. But it did get yeah. tight down here toward the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sure did. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, great game, great game. Never forget it, yeah. Okay, Trippy, tonight you are the spokesman for your family. If your parents and siblings were sitting here, what would they say about your brother, our beloved Bobby Blythe? Well, I, th I think more than anything they would say, and I think everybody that knew him would say, he was really a great guy. No question. He... Uh, and I, I mean this sincerely, I never heard him say a bad word or a negative thing about anybody else. I never, ever heard him say that. And I gave him plenty of opportunities to do that. <laughs> I never heard him say anything, okay? And he was very, very funny, very quick-witted. Uh, I, I, I know he could have been a comedian. He really, he was very, well, you know, very... He, he used to make Coach Bruno laugh all he the was time. A, he, was a, he was a very funny guy, yes. yeah. Okay? And I got to tell you, I got to tell you one story. Uh, it involves Carl Flory. And Carl and, you know, we lived right next door. I mean, it, 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 we weren't around the corner or down the street. Carl's house was here and our house was here. 
and there was a black blacktop basketball court in between us and uh there was a big game they were playing i it, it must have been a wpal playoff game as i recall and i was either in detroit or, or i'm sorry st louis or chicago but i came back for that game and about two o'clock in the afternoon the phone rang and I answered it, and I said, hey, Bob, it's Carl. Carl wants to talk to you. And so uh, I heard him say, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really good, you know. Maybe Carl is making some last-minute adjustments. Maybe Carl is actually going to throw a pass tonight. <laughs> well, anyhow... I said, well, what was that all about? And, and Bob said, well, Carl wanted to make sure that I knew that I should not wear good clothes tonight because when we win, they're going to dump stuff on us. They're going to throw us in the shower and everything is going to get ruined. So, Bob, don't wear good clothes tonight. <laughs> well, uh, as it turned out, this other team that they played that night, they had a guy that played running back named Tony Dorsett. <laughs> and he ran for maybe 350 yards. He played defensive back, safety, and anything that got by the line of scrimmage, he tackled. And uh, they obviously did not win that game. And every, every time he had a big game for the rest of his career, I would either write him a note or I would give him a phone call and say, Bob, don't wear good clothes tonight. <laughs> and that was followed with a string of expletives deleted. <laughs> well, you know, there were many of I was at that game myself. I had come home from college, and I, there was a tremendous crowd, tremendous excitement, and then obviously a little disappointment that came upon us very quickly. But that happens. That happens. Okay. Ken Yonke, you have been responsible for hiring several coaches and educators, many of whom went on to very successful careers. What characteristics did you look for in the individuals you hired? I like that question because coaches are teachers. And um, if I could go off the rail here a little bit, could I allow them to stand? Any coaches in this audience that I hired, would you please stand? I know they're out there. They're, oh my God! Wow, yeah, my goodness! Out there. I want all of you up there. Wow, that's great. It, it's it's important to hire coaches who can do things the right way and bring a school district's reputation up. When I first went to Riverside, I noticed something in the mall. When it, the, the kids from Riverside wouldn't even wear their jackets if they were in the band, and I finally asked them why what what is the problem here well we're not very good in anything and they, they just kind of put themselves down and they associated that with the recognition of their school through athletics even though they had a great band went to the cherry blossom festival in washington dc so i had a dilemma and that was as superintendent i had to fire the coach who happened to be the nephew of the president of the school board and that didn't really go over very well. But I hired Carl Flory. Carl Flory, the reason I hired Carl was because I wanted to get that Larry Bruno offensive look in, in our, our game. So when our, Carl came there, he talked a good game. We, we seemed like we were on the same channel. But whenever the game started, 
it wasn't the same. It wasn't the Larry Bruno team that I thought I was going to see. I was anxious to see it right away. So I had to get some of the people you saw stand back there. Who, the, the, the Frank Henn is here, and uh, Ron Shiro, Alan Guandola, Bill Suit. I mean, these are all names that you all remember. And Riverside then, as you heard Rick say a little while ago, they did win the WPIL, and uh, the kids did wear their jackets. So hiring coaches is very important. Sometimes they get a bum rap because you, you have a, a school that people associate as being a sports-minded school. There's nothing wrong with being a sports-minded. No one was sports-minded more than David Miller, and there he was a scholar at the same time. I had to let David Miller, uh, and John Barley will testify to this, that whenever he was supposed to be quarterback in a big game, he had to go to Harrisburg to be, be in with a student council convention, and we let him go. We told him, you go ahead and go to the student council convention, we'll get somebody else. So Jack Tracy played quarterback. Getting coaches like John Barley and like Joe Hamilton and John Miller, and, and I, I shouldn't be naming anybody because I get into trouble that way. They're all alike. But I had an athletic director, Jack Fullen, who everybody knows. He is the icon. He is Mr. Blackhawk. He's the one who screened all these people and made sure that they came with the same credentials, that they were teachers and coaches, that they were not just there to be, have a coaching job. And he always brought in the kind of people that had put demands on kids, but the systems were all about the players they had, not the system that they brought necessarily. That's important to know. If you hire a coach, he has to assess the material that you have in your school and then develop his plan based on the material rather than try to put a square peg in a round hole. Well, obviously you had the insight to hire individuals who could do that and certainly Coach Flory had tremendous success throughout his career uh, culminating in a championship and then he went beyond that a few years. I know that personally and I've often said uh, that him and Coach Bruno, in, in my opinion, are in the same light. But one thing I do have to say, you had mentioned about uh, Dave Miller, uh, student council, going to the seminar, the conference. I can tell you that during Coach Bruno's days, if the quarterback was the president of student council and said he had to go to a conference in Harrisburg, Coach Bruno would have said, <laughs> the vice president's going to that conference. Get your butt on the bus. We're going to play some football. Okay. Well, we had Jack Tracy there, so we really had somebody who could pick it up and do the job. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Well, we're just going to go right down the line. I want to give each one of you an opportunity to thank and recognize uh, whoever you see fit, whether they're here or not. So we'll start with you, Charlene. I'd like to give honor to God and thank him for all the talent that he gave me. Uh, and, of course, all of my family and friends that are here. Thank you. Um, I goes without saying we, we uh, join our thanks to the people who made this possible, all the hard workers on the foundation, in my case, especially Jimmy Campbell. Uh, we've been friends and rivals uh, all of our lives, and uh, I'm glad it's continuing here. Uh, I think my letter, you know, speaks, speaks for itself. Um, my parents and Larry Bruner are the two uh, singular influences in my life. Uh, my dad, I didn't even realize he was driving to all my 
Chippewa Midgets and Junior High Highland games around the county, and I didn't. I thought he wasn't coming. I was sort of resentful. And then my mom told me he said he he used to take his lunch hour, drive over there, see the game, and drive back. And he just just never had the time to see me. But he never missed a game. And then he drove saw all the high school games. Then he drove to uh, Princeton. When if I told him don't come if I'm not starting. But when I the games I started and played, he drove all all night. Locked the store up at 10 o'clock, drove all night. We went out, uh, uh, well, went out for dinner after the game. Uh, they got a, a night of shut eye, got up in the morning, and drove back. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, eight, 10 hours, you know, to see your son play. And, uh, and my mom, uh, I was the first generation. My parents didn't know about college. All they knew was that I was going, uh, and my brother. And uh, she used to help me study all the time. And uh, she would do these Spanish cards. She didn't know a lick of Spanish, but she was doing what she could do. To help me and she was a nurse so she was a giver and uh the, the icing on the cake was larry bruno i'm not sitting here talking to you i'm not uh not hitting the jackpot marrying my wife and i certainly don't have these two kids um everything that larry bruno finally did for me has led me to this moment uh, to my family thank you yeah thanks rick um I wouldn't be sitting up here tonight if it wasn't for everybody sitting at that first table. My dad, my hero, my inspiration. And a couple of times he said, get your ass back on that bus. <laughs> when I was ready to give up at the university, yeah, it's tough. College ball's tough. And, and, and Joe knows that. But uh, I went to introduce, uh, that's my father. He'll be 87 in August. Met earlier. That's my beautiful wife back there in, the, in, the, in Snow White that I love dearly. My two boys, Chase is in the background there with the white shirt and, and Heath, and two Tiger, Fighting Tiger alumni, my brothers, Bruce and Brian Dennison, which everybody knows. Bruce knows everybody in Beaver Falls. So when I come back home, I stand next to Bruce, and he's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Because, you know, some time has passed. Dave Brekovich, we consider him a member of our family. He took me under his wing when... I was making that transition from playing, playing all the time to actually, you know, working in the real life. Thank you, Dave, for that. And I had to mention that Christine and Cindy, that's Bruce and Brian's wives, beautiful wives. And Dakota, Bruce's son. I love you all very much and thank you for this. This is yours. We did this, all of us together. Thank you. Well, thanks, Glenn. I have to follow all that now, huh? Well, this guy's been a tough act to follow. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the, the Bruno Foundation, I'd like to thank. It has been fabulous, really. I mean, I had no idea what to expect, and the, the, this is incredible. It really is. I, it, I'm amazed. And Steve and Rick, I'm dumbfounded. And Joe, I have a special thanks to you, okay? And I know you think what I'm going to say okay you think that i'm going to thank you for showing up at darlington with your boys all those sundays and a couple boys guys would beat you on the basketball court <laughs> but that's not what i'm going to thank you for okay? that never happened i'm not <laughs> i wasn't going to say a word about it but you brought it you made me do it okay but no, when I was, Joe and I are only a year apart. We've played against each other quite a bit, <laughs> all right? And uh, when I was at Notre Dame, Joe, when I was a junior, you were a senior at Alabama. 
And we had a guy who won the Heisman Trophy. His name was John Ewart. And I told all of my friends at Notre Dame, many of whom were on that football team, that Joe Namath was better in high school than John Ewart is right now. <laughs> and I could see all the elbows going and all oh, these Western Pennsylvania guys, Jesus, enough is enough, okay, come on. Okay, and about what, three months later, uh, you guys go to camp. And uh, I just reminded, I was in Florida a month ago, and I reminded my college roommate, I said, I'm gonna tell this story. I said, you remember this? He said, not only do I remember it, you told me all the time, you or will never play a down for the Jets, never. So anyhow, uh, you went to camp, and two weeks later, sayonara, John Ewart. So Joe, you made me look so good. I wanna thank you for that, all right? And I always had your back. <laughs> Okay, Ken. Well, I, I have been um, uh, discovered by uh, all these people that are here. There's 104 of them here. That um, maybe I not I should not be up here. It really should be my wife Irene of 65 years. We we just did our vows up at Station Square here recently, and um, we finally got a minister to come in. His name was Jack Fullen, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and he wore Rick Mancini's robe. He, 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 he looked great. But, but those of you, and they do know, especially the board, the members of the Larry Bruno board, they know now that Irene's the one to talk to, not me. Because all of you, um, hold up your hand. How many got a letter from her? All right. She put the whole thing together and sent them all their invitations and told them all about this whole thing, what it was going to be. And, and uh, I'd like to introduce my family my, from Florida, my son, Eric, and um, his wife, Dawn, Elizabeth, and their children are here. And uh, they came up. It's not easy for them to get away from work sometimes, especially the kind of work Eric does. My son, Dirk, is over here from Virginia with his wife Amy, and also my uh, daughter brought her uh, two boys and her husband Bob along, and they've been visiting colleges here lately, as one of them is picking out a college, the other one's just finishing up a college. We're really proud of these, these boys and what they're doing. I want to mention Nancy Cole. Where's Nancy Cole hiding over there? Nancy Cole is our family too. She's the mother of Don Elizabeth Cole who is the wife of my oldest son, Eric. All of my family has been so supportive about this, and, uh, and I'm sure all the rest of you up here can say the same thing, how, how nice it was to have that family reunion. And this is really the Beaver Falls family reunion. I only have one request. Would you please somebody be the cheerleader here and say, once a tiger, always a tiger. Can we say that? That's easy. Once a tiger, always a tiger. Thank you. Joe, any, any closing comments, Joe? It's been wonderful. I tell you, it's been great, man. Thank you, Rick and uh, the board. Thank you, folks, for coming out. 
live and learn, and we're learning a lot of things from those ahead of us. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I know all of you were thanking us, but we thank all of you for taking time out of your schedules, out of your lives, to dedicate the weekend, to come back home. And how about a round of applause for our inductee? But I'm going to be back again and again, and I promise you the next time I'm back, I'll be here in the library more than I was in the past, I might say. Thank you.